thinky, thirsty, and over 30. Welcome to Afternoon Army, a safe place for grown armies to dish and discover BTS. We are four ladies who just wanted to know their names and now can explain the meaning of Lachimolala. New to Army? No problem. Come along as we explore all the important business that Bongtan throws our way. Join us on the last Tuesday of every month as we hop in the clown car and drive to the circus. And stay tuned for shorter, snack-sized episodes between hosts and various correspondents. Because one thing we know is that content, well, it just keeps on coming. So we are having a little bit of a departure from, you know, Afternoon Army is usually all things BTS, but I think we're going to be able to thread this fandom needle well tonight. And what we're going to be doing just to kind of set the stage is Tanya and I have both just come out of a fan experience that we will be unpacking that's centered around the ropes. I think one of the reasons why it's really great to kind of bring into the, to this BTS podcast space is because with enlistment coming, look, we're not going to be replacing BTS and nobody's looking to replace BTS, but we're looking to like enhance what else we can be enjoying and listening to and experiencing that kind of feeds our souls in varying degrees and varying ways. And this is a place that we've both landed. And so I think it's worth sharing because fans help fans and ARMY helps ARMY. And this could be you know, another tool in your arsenal of joy that you're going to get out of music. Definitely. I'm not criticizing, but I've seen a lot of kind of chatter on Twitter and Instagram of, of ARMY who say, you know, we don't watch any other or listen to any other Korean artists. We only, you know, we are BTS only. And BTS, I feel like I'm going to say this jokingly, they're like a jealous lover. <laughs> they don't give you a lot of time to be devoted to anyone else. Of course, I don't think the members themselves would feel that way because they're always recommending music to us and they want to support other artists. So, but they take a lot of time <laughs> as a fan. And I don't know, I guess I don't, I'm not criticizing anyone for their choice, but for me, I like to explore and hear what other artists are doing. And I want to know what other Korean bands are doing and what else is out there, even though there's not a lot of time to explore. So I'm glad that we can do this. Yeah, I fully agree. And I think you're spot on. And look, I know the, the other focus of our pod is that like, thinky, thirsty and over 30. And I think that's where also sometimes I feel like being a more mature aged k-pop or korean music fan and it makes a lot of sense with like developmental identity of younger fans especially much younger fans that they're like i am a stay for stray kids or i am a blink for you know blackpink and so there can be this like sense of that is going to be it like that's my identity and i'm going to be like you know against everyone else because i'm in for my team and look i i understand like that impulse yeah but, you know, I mean, like, look, we're older, the world is wide, and I think my heart is big, and apparently it's boundless for many <laughs> forms of entertainment and many awesome. groups. Exactly, and many, many K-drama actors and actresses. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes. I... Yeah, absolutely, me too. <laughs> yeah, and no, I think you you hit the nail on the head, you know, when you're younger, things are more black and white and you are searching for your identity. And sometimes the things you externalize that and the things around you are part of what helps you f- explore what your identity is. So that makes a lot of sense that 
people would have kind of fixed ideas about it for a while. But we know being older, like you said, and then also we just know from listening to the members, they're all friends with each other anyway and want to support each other. It's not a competition. So it's good to, good to remember. I want to defer to you in this because I am going to say, and I'm going to get a little bit ahead of ourselves, but how did we get into the rose? I got into the rose because of you. So I'm crediting <laughs> you because, and I'm a little bit of a later comer to it because you've been talking about the rose for a while, whereas I was still pretty much wrapped up in like my BTS situation that I was like, look, I hear you, but I don't have the capacity. I can't deal with this right now. <laughs> yeah, I can't do not, deal with this right do now. not try to lay this at my feet. But, but you just have kept coming with it. And eventually I was like, look, I have to pay attention. This is really good. I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing and listening to. Like this is, it's different. And I think really worth a lot of time. And I've been starting to talk it up to other people. And now I've become like, much more fully immersed into like the fandom and like beginning to be like a baby black rose myself exactly <laughs> right so yeah so i thank you for this but i want to take your leadership throughout this <laughs> because i feel like you've got more experience within this fandom than i do you could also say that this is my revenge because you're the one who got me into bts <laughs> <laughs> so it goes yes, around comes perfect. around <laughs> yeah. well yes no and i i think i stumbled upon them on youtube actually uh, I was looking at countless BTS videos and it just, the algorithm just coughed up their big hit song, Sorry, uh, and the music video for that, which I think was 2017-ish. And uh, I just clicked on it because it looked like it might be good and I hadn't heard of them before. And I was blown away by how good the song was and just started just kind of uh, going from there. So it was a, a just an accidental find. And I'm so glad for it. So for those of you who haven't heard of them, if you're curious, The Rose is an indie rock band and they're based out of actually both LA and Korea. One of the members, the lead vocalist, Woosung, uh, actually grew up in LA and is Korean American, which is kind of a neat twist that we're not used to with as many artists. And it certainly is not an experience we've had with BTS. And as Leah intimated, so Woosung is a, as far as I know, a U.S. citizen. The three other members are Korean citizens and have just completed their military service. So they are post-military and they're making their big comeback right now. And they're on a world tour. They just dropped an album about five, six weeks ago, and they've already got the next one planned out. So it's going to come pretty quickly after. And they're just, they're really working hard to come back. And we'll, as we go on, we'll kind of explain a little bit about their history it's been a struggle for them, kind of like BTS. They really faced some tremendous obstacles and it's kind of almost a miracle of their dedication and hard work and help of others. I'm sure that they're, that they're still here and going. So we both each, as Leah mentioned, went to see the Rose within the past several days. Actually, I saw them in Dallas uh, last Thursday and Leah just saw them a couple nights ago in San Francisco. And we, I think seeing them live, kind of like with BTS, it kind of cemented something for us about how, that we started to feel more strongly about them. Okay, so a little bit about the Rose and its members. And a lot of this information, because we're still kind of just in the earlier phase of our fan journey too, is coming from other sources that you can read yourself. And so I'll just give a few highlights. And then if you want to read more about them, if you, if you dare to want to learn their names, <laughs> 
then uh, we'll give you those sources in the show notes so that you can read a little bit more about their history. So, but let's at least introduce the members and just a couple of key points from their from their story. Their uh, lead vocalist, and he's also a guitarist, is Wusang. His birth name, uh, Kim Wusang. Uh, I think he has also gone by the name Yi Wusang as a stage name, although he seems to, I, I see him referred more to as, as Kim Wusang. He has a, all four members had English names, and I don't know whether that's something that their agency wanted to do when they were with an agency before, or whether when they first debuted, or whether that was something they chose for themselves. I haven't heard that yet, but um, some fans do sometimes use these names, and I don't think the members seem to mind it. Um, and his is Sammy. Uh, he grew up in LA, was born February 25th, 1993. So these, these they're all about the same age range as the Hill Line and, and BTS vocals, guitar, and each one of them has a color of rose that they associate themselves with. And his is the white rose, which symbolizes purity. And then his bandmates, and these are the three members who have all just recently completed their military service. Park Do-jun, uh, his English moniker is Leo, vocalist, keyboards, guitar. He's from Busan, same as Jungkook and Jimin. Born April 20th, 1993. His rose is red, which symbolizes passion. And uh, similar to Wusung, who is a native English speaker, he uh, lived in New Zealand for five years. And he's, so he is completely 100% fluent in English. Um, and so already this ex the fan experience here, you can see, is, is going to be a little bit different than with BTS in some ways. Iha Jun, English nickname Dylan, is from Guangzhou, which is the same city that J-Hope is from. He's the drummer. He's a sub-vocalist. Uh, they all have beautiful voices, whether they're lead or sub-vocalists. Born July 29th, 1994. Blue Rose, which symbolizes miracle. And Yi Jae-hyung, known as Jeff also. The bassist, also a sub-vocalist with a gorgeous voice. He's from Samchok, Gangwon-do. He is the maknae of the group, although not by much. Uh, born November 3rd, 1994. He is Pink Rose, which is happy and romantic. Uh, and I caught on uh, his bio page. These are all, by the way, I should give credit. These are all from a website called kprofiles.com, <laughs> which happens to be where I went when I wanted to learn the names of the BTS members. So good luck if you go there. <laughs> You're here for uh, a long wormhole of a journey. What I noticed on that profile, it mentioned that he was in a web drama once called Six Love Story, which I have not seen from 2018. So now I really want to look it up. We have to see Jaehyung in his drama. The, so the fan base name that the members apparently chose themselves for their fans is Black Roses. And Black Roses, as you know, from Gothic motifs can have some negative connotations or seemingly negative connotations such as death. Um, but the flip side of that is, of course, new beginnings. And so for them, they chose it because it symbolized new beginnings and especially loyalty and devotion. Wusang is also a solo artist, and he was very heavily promoting his solo work while the other members were in the military. And his very first EP was called Wolf. And then he released another one recently, just before the Rose came back together, called Moth. It's amazing. And so his solo fan base is called the Wolf Pack, which is really cute. Oh. <laughs> I know. I did not know cute. that. Yeah, yeah, it's really cute. Uh, and he has his own website and Instagram that's separate from the Rose too. They all have their own Instagrams and we'll provide all those in the show notes so that you can mm -hmm. check them out if you want to. All right, we're not going to go through their whole history because basically I have heard a lot of this in many, many places, 
but I went to Wikipedia to see how it all fit together. And so it's not just coming from Wikipedia, it's coming from a number of sources. But if you want to read this account of their history, you can go to Wikipedia. But just to summarize, they started out busking. And in fact, it was Dojun and Jaehyung that were busking together in 2015, 2016. And Dojun was a trainee with another agency at the time. And then he was so busy being a trainee that Jaehyung was also starting to busk with another singer he met, which was Hajun. And so this is how the group started forming was through busking. Dojun eventually left the company that he was a trainee with. And so they formed a three-member group called Windfall. Dojun met Wusung through a friend and they became a foursome. In 2016, around the time that that happened, they joined a company and uh, changed their name to The Rose from Windfall. They debuted August 3rd, 2017. Uh, and had a big hit single right away, uh, which was that song, Sorry, that I mentioned, the one that I ran across on YouTube, and that's how I discovered them. And actually, I was able to stay for the for the Q&A after the concert in Dallas. Wusung said, we never would have made it without both the Black Roses, our fan base, and without the song, Sorry, because that was really what catapulted them into the limelight so they're really grateful for that song. And they got it got a lot of notice, especially from music critics and Billboard. They released some mini albums um, and a couple more successful singles. K-drama fans, because we know we have a lot of you here, would you believe that they actually did one of the songs from Strangers from Hell from the soundtrack? It's like a hard rock song. It's really good. It doesn't sound like a lot of their other stuff, but you've got it. I did you, not realize that. You have, to, you have to listen to it. Yes. And it's called Strangers. So you got to check it out. Uh, they were on a, oh, it, it sounds like it was probably grueling us reality show called Super Band, which was like a survival show. And then eventually the relationship with their agency soured and they ended up in litigation. And it was apparently, and people in line when I was waiting to get into the concert were talking about it. And I won't say any specifics here because they're allegations and I want to be careful, but it just sounded from what I heard to be brutal. It was brutal. And in fact, one of the reasons why we'll get to this later, but Jaehyung was struggling so much and wrote the song Seesaw, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, which is about his um, internal struggles, was that he was so traumatized by everything that they went through, the way that they were allegedly, I'm a lawyer, so I will say allegedly treated, that uh, he really had a hard time with it. They all did. So they've been through a lot and they survived, which is remarkable because they went through the ringer. That case ended up settling, which is why we don't have any definitive proof of anything that we can point to about what happened because it ended up settling the court it sounded like but anyway it was really really rough so they are independent now they are under a label but it sounds like it's a small one and they have a lot of um, control over over what happens to them they're they're in charge of their own destiny now and so their latest album is heal and they're touring north america right now and touring the world this fall and winter all right, so that is it in a nutshell. There's a lot more to learn, but more than what we have time for here. So let's uh, switch to another topic. So Leah, do you have a bias for the rose yet? And if so, why do you think that that person became your bias? So look, when I got into ARMY, and I've talked about my origin story a little bit on the pod before, but if this is anyone's first time, I I kind of found my way into ARMY through my daughter getting into K-pop during the pandemic. And BTS was one of many groups she listened to. I enjoyed it. I listened to their music. I had fun with them. And then we got show tickets to see uh, Permission to Dance in LA. And I was like, okay, this will be super fun. It'll be like a big production. 
And when I went there, I had this like religious conversion into like, oh my God, I have enjoyed the Rose. I've been listening to, you know, their old stuff. I've been listening to their new album and getting hyped for the concert as well. And so I've really been enjoying it. And I'm not super picky with my live music. Like I'm usually going to be pretty happy going to something, but I wasn't expecting to have like such a powerful feeling when I went to the show. Yeah. And so this is my like whole story to say, like, you know, I went in kind of just whatever I'm like open to them all. Wusong was probably the one I knew about the most because mm-hmm. he has been out since yeah. you know, the rest have been in the army or whatever. However, <laughs> I am a big K-drama fan and this isn't, I don't know if this is the full reason, but at the show, I was on the side with the bassist, Jae Hyung. And he was dressed like in full Reaper wear, <laughs> like kind of like Young uh, Wook's character from from Goblin, Guardian, the Great and Lonely God. And I don't know that like aesthetic of like you know the black suit, like little vest, white shirt, collared mm-hmm. shirt, black high pants. It was just so adorable that like. <laughs> I mean, look, my relationship could continue to evolve. So I'm not going <laughs> to lock myself in, but I'm going to no. say like, I had a real moment and I was really happy to be on that side of the stage. And I was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> he is all shy, graceful smiles. <laughs> he is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And He's just amazing. like there was a really sweet vulnerability, um, mm. you know, that they alluded that he went through some hard times he was trying to like even talk about it yeah as he was trying to talk about it the audience just kept screaming for him so much that like mm-hmm. it was hard for him to get like his it was. the same thing was- happened at dallas i think it's because <laughs> fans saw this we're going to talk about this more but there's this beautiful actually documentary series that's unfolding on youtube that they did to go along with the album and to explain the meaning of the songs and we'll talk about it more in a minute but there's an episode i think it's the second episode where he they they go talk about how that song came about he wrote it while he was in the military he was um very i don't want to put a word on him but i think they used this word kind of traumatized by everything that had happened with the troubles that the band went through and then he had to go straight into the military and really struggled there too and just went through a lot and the song is about all the emotional ups and downs and not being able to find a center or a balance and just keep seesawing from side to side emotionally uh and so yeah it's heavy duty so I think a lot I hadn't seen it yet at that point because I was so behind in my content catching up with content because of some stuff that was going on in my personal life and I didn't realize until after what why fans were reacting so big because they had heard that story in the documentary yes and so but Mm -hmm. I and and I also don't want this to say much as I you know might have like a fave in BTS you know I am OT7 like the whole group together is where the magic is yeah and I really felt like this um seeing them live all of them together there was just a visceral magic that happened where I you know you may not know this about me because of how I blubbered away on one of our podcasts already (laughs) I'm not like a big emotional crier especially like around like like that and I got like a full lump in my throat and like wet eyes um you know a couple different songs yeah because I felt like there was just a real authenticity there so yeah there is 
<laughs> yeah, to OT4 all the way. I agree. I I think that's the essence of like a bias for me is it's just someone that charms me a little bit extra, but it doesn't mean that I'm not interested in all of them. Yeah, so for me, I think it's uh, Dojun. And I decided, <laughs> it's so funny because I just, I just really liked him a lot and found him really charming and just was extra fascinated by him. So I guess that makes him my bias. But uh, then I, when I started looking them up more to learn more about them, it was like, he's sometimes referred to as the sunshine of the group. And I was like, oh, oh my God. God, I'm like so sunshine squad because I'm a J-Hope bias. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess, I guess I have a type. I guess, I guess I have been exposed as having a type. So he, but he is, he's lovely. He's so much fun. Um, he's a lot of fun on stage. He's just uh, engaging with the audience and careening around and, and just hype. He's, the, he's their hype man, I think, just like J-Hope. He is yeah. their hype man. He hypes everybody up. He's supporting everybody. He hypes the audience up. They're all really, really lovely. I love your sunshine, though. That's so I great. Know. Sunshine Squad all the way, man. Oh, God. I'm afraid to get into any other groups, honestly. <laughs> All so, right. okay, well, let's get into the concert experiences a little yeah. bit. So you said that you went to see them in Dallas. Mm-hmm. What was the venue and what was it like? It was really nice, actually. It was a kind of a smallish venue by my experience, having gone to lots of shows over many years, called The Factory. And it's in the artsy jazz type district in Dallas near downtown called Deep Ellum. I'm not from Dallas. I'm from farther north. And so I this is only my second time ever going to Dallas and both times for, for shows. <laughs> uh, and uh, it was nice. Uh, it was a cool little neighborhood with a lot of little restaurants and things like that. So I met a friend down there that I had met at a previous show. I went to see Ravi in May and Ravi and Jido and uh, I met her there because she's another older fan and so we kind of latched onto each other and we ended up <laughs> basically camping out from 6 30 in the morning so we we waited in line and they let you in at 6 30 if you had VIP tickets which we did and so we we were sitting on the pavement for 12 hours <laughs> so I have to say it was really nice being able to get up we you know fans are really wonderful at k-pop shows about saving spaces for each other and stuff so we would just arrange with our neighbors that we would go leave and have lunch and they would watch our stuff and then we would come back and do the same for them so uh anyway so it was it was fun even though my back hurt a lot (laughs) but uh yeah so that's where it was it was in this artsy area near downtown in dallas where did you go see them in san francisco i saw them at a theater i haven't been to yet so that was exciting and it's called the warfield Mm. and is an older theater that actually was kind of where the Grateful Dead that was they were kind of like almost the house band for that like they performed there I think almost a hundred times and so it's just one of those like cool beautiful old theaters that just has you know a lot of ornate kind of historical vibe to it at about 2300 people so pretty oh, intimate. you got to see them in a really intimate space ours ours was a little bit more industrial still felt fairly small to me like I said by my standards but I think it was more like 4,000 okay interesting yeah. yeah so this one I mean sold out for sure yeah um, but it was and I think maybe then like to my advantage because I did not wait in much of a like so when we got there there was a line but the line moved fast mm. and we showed up like seven fifteen, probably with the show yeah. started. And I mean, we were in the back of the floor. Mm-hmm. However, it was still close enough that like I could see their, 
faces and their facial expressions they exactly weren't like blurry beings like they were human beings <laughs> that's wonderful that's wonderful yeah. yeah so that was I mean I was kind of happy for that too although now having been through the show I definitely think I would rally to barricade next time just because I think having the energy of like being up really close would be yeah. really just it was it was worth it I, and I after the show I was like oh I don't know if I'll be able to do that again but within a few hours I was like I would totally do it again <laughs> I mean and and so we I got a VIP ticket which just in case anybody's curious of what it costs to see us a, a group on a smaller scale so like it's not like even as expensive as it would be to get floor seats for BTS it's a couple hundred bucks for a VIP ticket at least right now and um, so my friend and I decided we wanted to do it because, and this is something that people may not be familiar with, especially if you if you're only have been into BTS and gone to these big, huge stadium shows, then and haven't seen some of the artists who are still kind of up and coming, like the Rose. When you go to a smaller show with an up and coming artist, they'll often do a VIP package where if you pay a couple hundred bucks, you can get, you can meet them, you can get their autograph, you can stay after for a Q&A, you can get a small group photo with some other fans. And I did that for Ravi and Jido, and it was really fun. And so um, my friend and I decided we wanted to do that for this show. Worth every penny. I would have paid more. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was incredible. So I'll talk more about that in a bit. But uh, yeah, so Dallas, it was a great crowd. Um, a lot of a lot of dedicated K-pop fans in Dallas. It has a huge Korean community. And of course, just like, it's like ARMY. It's the most amazing, diverse fandom. There's people from every walk of life, ages, um, backgrounds, race, gender, ethnicity, language, everything. And it was, so it's really neat to be in a crowd like that. Yeah. It was fun to hang out with them and get to know people throughout the day. And in fact, I ended up in line next to three or four other people who were from my little town in the Midwest. Oh, wow. Isn't that bizarre? We ended up next to each other in line. And so I'm having coffee with one of them on Sunday because <laughs> we just oh. live like a mile from each other. I know it's not. And they're and older fans, too. Two of them were older fans in their 40s. Yeah, That's lovely. It was amazing. Amazing. And also army. So, yeah, it's fun. You always meet people at these things. Um, so who did you go to the show with? I met my friends there uh, who I had met at the previous show in May and we were together all day and then we ended up hanging out with other people all day <laughs> that were next to us in line. We befriended a young woman college student who was there by herself and she just happened to come a few minutes after me and so she ended up next to me in line and so we uh, she hung out with us a lot of the day uh, and we just got to talking with other people too uh, especially my, my friend is actually from Dallas and so she recognized some people from other shows and and chatted chatted them up and we got to talk to a lot of people so that's so and she she's amazing she's a mom she has three kids like you do and so she came with a van full of supplies. She just like rolled up in her van next to this line of hundreds of people and just started bringing out chairs and a cooler okay. and, you know, <laughs> umbrellas because it was going to be raining and just all she was she was amazing. So it was so fun to have her there. And she's just very I'm introverted and she's very extroverted. And so she would talk to everybody. And so I got to meet a lot of people that way. <laughs> it was great. It's great to have a concert buddy. Yeah. Um, and then for me, I went with my newly minted 14-year-old son. Amazing. When we found out that the Rose was coming, I was like, man, I really would like to see them. And then I looked at the date and it was November 9th. And I was like, that's my son's 
birthday. birthday. Oh, you know, and then I was like, but you know, I can be scrappy. And one thing I have done that I'm very proud of as a parent has been getting them to see live music. What a gift. Yeah. My two older kids, one's 12 and one's now 14. I've been taking them to shows. And so I took my son, look, I'm not going to say I'm the coolest mom, but I'm going to say that like, I'll say it. (laughs) They're getting to see good music in my opinion. Absolutely. my daughter's first show ever was pink and then she got to see bts and then my son he got to see epic high who he really didn't know but i was like look mommy wants to see epic high and you're you're gonna come Uh Um, and so he got to do that and he was really on board with it and so i was like hey remember how epic high was fun this is gonna be very different but it's hey indie would you want to come for your birthday and then i'll sweeten the deal by taking you san francisco and we'll do like a day out you can miss school and you know you can plan the day doing what you want to do and then we'll go to this fun concert that's fun yeah he was all in so i was like great so what a a cool dude yeah we that's really nice in the city and then like yeah capped it off with and he really enjoyed it he did get tired because Mm -hmm. it was a long day and so he went and took a little like there were seats in the very back so he would said for a little bit good good for him but you know he was he was into it he got a bucket hat a rose bucket hat oh nice (laughs) I saw those yeah those were cute oh good oh yeah it was pretty cute so and he like wore shades inside (laughs) that's awesome you know what I don't he doesn't have to be like hardcore into k-pop but I think that's where I'm realizing he's really loves rap and then Mm. he also loves I don't know like I would say more kind of like indie rock and so I felt like both of like you know being able to see epic high and then also the rose like were like good cross sections for him to get exposed to i bet it was really interesting yeah my mom exposed me to world music when i was starting like even five years old she took me to see ravi shankar hmm. uh that was back in the 70s when george harrison had just you know introduced him to the west basically and it really was life-changing for me it made a huge impression on me and she used to take me to go see Harry Chapin every year. And okay. we went to see other, which is kind of a folk rock act from the 70s. Um, and other artists too, even if they weren't my thing, I always loved it. And I loved getting exposed to all those different things. So that's really great that you're doing that. Yeah. And I knew he liked it because on the way home, because on the way there, he wouldn't let me listen to the Rose. He like wanted to like uh, listen to his, his mixtape. Yeah, yeah. Which let me just say, because it made me laugh so much he likes a lot of 90s stuff right now that I listened to in high school so he was on like Coolio's Gangster Paradise awesome out (laughs) like no I can't and so anyway but then on the way home because we live about an hour and 10 minutes south of the city or whatever so it's kind of like a big haul in a big haul out so on the Mm -hmm. way home you know it's late and we're driving and he put on the rose and I was really happy I was like look at you liking the rose that we can Mm -hmm. like I think that's great I'm so glad. So did you get into the merch scene at all? Just a little. I had ordered a shirt and pin online and I'm waiting on those to come. I did go ahead and get a light stick. I wasn't going to spend the money. And then I was like, you know what? They need the money. I'll get it. (laughs) They're just coming back. I can afford it right now. I'll get it. And it was fun to have. And so I got that and it's very nice. And I'm planning on going to see them again whenever I can. So I know that I'll use it again. And then I got the little photo cards, I think. And that was it. They they kind of, they let people in um, in groups. 
before the show around three o'clock. They had a little merch booth inside and then they had done a pop-up the day before and then they had some stuff I think still for sale during the show. So it worked out okay. A lot of people hadn't been able to get light sticks when they first went on sale online because they had such a big rush of interest, which is a great sign that fans crashed the system. Oh, cool. <laughs> and I was actually like, wow, you know, even though it's a pain because I couldn't order it, this is actually great for them that, yes. that there's this much excitement, you know, just over getting their light sticks. So I thought that was great. What did you think of when you got in of the set that they had and the way that they did their video and, and just the whole setup? What was your impression? They're so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I liked is that it was simple and yeah. really stylish. And yeah. so I love the black roses on the stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were really cool. They weren't hokey. They just were, they just looked nice and awesome. They were just kind of elegant and a little bit gothic looking, but very yeah. simple and not, not garish. You know, they were very much understated. I thought. Yeah. I thought really attractive. And then I love, look, I'm always going to be a sucker for kind of like the old school Instagram aesthetic. I just mm-hmm. like it. And that was like their video vibes that yeah. they had the time was just kind of like the, the washed out lo-fi video footage, but like intentionally so. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like the drone nature shots and things like that. It felt, and I know this is just going to sound like super on the nose, but it felt healing to see mm-hmm. you know, you've got like these coastal shots and a lot of water meeting earth kind of imagery. And it was just all fairly simple. Yeah. And so the music just got taken to the front. I felt like it was a very nice little backdrop. It felt like it did the job it needed to do. And then the focus was just where it needed to be, which was on the four members. So you got enough that like it looked nice. Mm-hmm. You were there for the music. Yeah, totally. I agree hundred percent. I noticed something during the show. There was a little bit of an arc to the video where when they were going through the middle of the set list and they got to around the point where they did Wusung's solo song, Modern Life, the one that has the fuck this modern life refrain and is all about like the digital world and social media and having to, you know, get likes and worrying about what everybody thinks of you and stuff like that. They used more grid imagery, like cityscapes and traffic jams and like Uh, offices offices. yeah you saw that yeah and I thought that was a really interesting shift and it definitely was a different vibe and then it kind of eased on down back into more nature oriented themes so that was kind of fascinating I thought the whole set list actually had a really great flow to it Uh, it was released in advance so I actually made a playlist out of it and was listening to it in the car all the way down to Dallas and uh yeah, I just think it eases in and out of like more up-tempo, big anthem songs and then down into quieter songs and then back up again. It's a really nice set list. So I'll post a link to that in the show notes too in case anybody wants us uh, to listen to it in that form that they designed for the show. And it was fun to listen to California in California. Yes, oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> but um, And the other thing too, and I know this is silly, but I felt like like they'd really thought about the set list. Totally. I felt like you went on a really great journey. I was surprised. I didn't think we were going to get all the highlights, which was nice because I'm a newer Mm -hmm. fan. Yeah, it was nice. Not so cool that like, I'm going to be like, you know, I'm going to be stoked to hear red (laughs) and I was stoked to hear sorry. Yeah. Um, 
but I think we might be aligned in what our breakout like what was your favorite song because I feel like we might be the same in it I think Cure is my favorite right now it's just such a big anthem song it's so powerful and And they just I mean because I kind of thought it was going to be sour for me because sour I mean like look I mean gorgeous they're all gorgeous pick yeah yeah it's hard to pick Um, it's like BTS. It's like different favorite song every time, but she, right? <laughs> but really hit me, and yeah. all their voices are amazing. But really, I'm just gonna give a shout out that like Wusong is remarkably powerful. It is. It, I don't know how he can do all those things with his voice. It's just so beautiful. It can be so powerful. It can be so delicate and breathy and wavering like a feather you know have it I mean? be wavering yeah. almost like that feather yes it'll be like pushing it so hard that yeah it's amazing because at first it i was is. like they've got damn good sound system and then i'm like mm-hmm. yes they do this is him and look i'm not gonna knock anyone else because like i went to a show earlier this week too like i've really been like mm-hmm. <laughs> you've been out there it's great and, yeah um, and so look again i'm not like gonna say like better or worse but i saw charlie pooth who's like mm-hmm. a very good and and I have to say, like Wusong, like I was like, dude, there's just something very strong here that you know, yeah. voice of a generation style. I agree, and his and he conveys so much emotion through his singing. It's so powerful. You, yeah. know, they said something about Cure in the Q and A. Um, a fan asked a question. Um, paraphrasing, which songs of you yours still give you goosebumps, or has any song ever? Is anybody's song really giving you goosebumps at the moment? And he said that originally Cure was supposed to be the title track for the album, the main single, but it was Sour that gave him, and I think the other members too, goosebumps, that soaring part of the refrain. Yeah. Uh, when they heard that, they were just like, that just has to be it. That has to be the last track on the album. So it was interesting to hear yeah. that. Yeah. I, I like would be that. so hard to choose because I think every song on this album just about could be a title track. It's so everyone is so good. It's a lovely album. And I'm going to mm-hmm. say also, I think sometimes it just takes me a little while to settle into. And it's always funny later when I'm like, how was I not like obsessed? Yeah. 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 Me too. So childhood. I liked it. I remember you're like, it's out. And I listened to it. I'm like, I really, if I like it, it's a really nice song. Mm. But like now I have big feelings now it gives me an emotional crisis exactly i know now now that it's sunk in and i can feel the emotion more and i've become more intimate with it it's it moves me yeah so much and i'm like i want everyone to hear Hear this this and to feel the same way i know or to have that chance to feel the same way if they want to i know Yeah. yeah and so i just laugh like i mean it was similar I mean a very different song but like the astronaut like when I first heard Jin's astronaut mm. it's like I like it and I even knew going in I'm gonna like it okay mm-hmm. but it's almost always it takes me a minute it um, does me too you know you know how nuts I am about J-Hope and even when I heard Jack in the Box the first few times I was like it's okay I like it I want it to mean something so much to me and I know it will. So I'm just going to give it time. And by like the fourth lesson, I was, you know, just a goner, but it takes, it takes a little bit, which is, I think, okay. You know, you want to, if it's something that intimate, it does take time to get close to it. And I think it's like music sometimes just has to like, it's the power and magic of music, I guess, that it really does has to, has to like sink into you. Like if you're going to, on like a cellular level where you begin to kind of 
almost have like your own little neurons capture into what the song's trying to get at and then like mm-hmm. the and everything else and so I'm giving myself permission now that sometimes like mm. it's where I'm like yeah but I'll be like I like it I like it yeah. fine the next day I'm like everyone needs to hear the song <laughs> totally totally I, I can relate to this so much yeah and sometimes <laughs> I feel bad that I'm not having this intense visceral reaction on the very first listen when I know how hard they've worked on it and how excited I've been to hear it and it's not that I dislike it I'm just not having the big reaction you know what I mean it takes a while and it can also just yeah. feel overwhelming too yes I think that's part of it yeah so I'm all that build up right yes like Namjoon's album coming out like mm-hmm. I'm already stressed that like the first time I hear it I'm gonna be like just too overwhelmed I'm gonna be like it's fine it's great <laughs> You know, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think that's a big part of it because like your expectations are so high and not that it isn't meeting it, but you just, you're on overload. Yeah. Yeah. You're on tilt and it's hard to take something in thoughtfully and deeply when you're heightened like that and agitated like that. (laughs) Yeah. And I think Heal is not a subtle, quiet album, but it Mm -hmm. is that album that does grow on you and it just invites you to like be immersed in it and it just kind of like keeps unpeeling its layers like this like mm. yeah it's full of stories the now having watched most of the documentary series on youtube i'm only now just starting to understand how far it goes and so i'm i want to rewatch those and listen to the songs again now having learned a little more about where they came from before we get to that, just a few, some more things about the show. In Dallas, it was Jay Hyung's birthday. So that was really fun. Fans prepared little cheering signs, you know, the little slogan signs. Oh. And somebody was passing out little pink hearts that said HBD JH, I think, like happy birthday, Jay Hyung. And then there was somebody who went up and down the line because it was wrapped around city blocks. People <laughs> lined up for hours in Dallas and in fact, the show started over an hour late because wow. they couldn't get everybody in. And they finally had to start because of, you know, running up against the deadline for the city ordinance or whatever. That must have been hard on them. They were they seemed tired when they first came out, but then they got their energy. Uh, and we were tired, too, from standing for so many hours and then having another hour and a half, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, while people were in line to get back to the story, uh, someone went up and down and said, it's Jay Hyung's birthday. Everybody turn your light sticks to pink when he introduces himself and we're going to sing him happy birthday. And that part of the show went a little too fast because they we started so late that they wanted to get out and get started. So they just went and, you know, they introduced themselves quickly. And then you could tell the energy was we just need to get started. So we waited until I think it was the was it the closing meant where finally a staff member brought a cake out and everybody saying happy birthday and he was like he was all shy smiles of course it was very very beautiful yeah so that was nice to be there with him on his birthday what did you think about how they interacted with each other and with the audience so interesting because I've seen them interact a little bit on social media not a ton but I've watched some of their lives and things like that and lots of banter and there was not a lot of stage banter like Mm -mm. they were like friendly and in sync but I felt like it was very much you know they were kind of in like we have a job to do yeah and I agree Mm -hmm. um, and so yeah and I think that some of their like songs out of the gate too are like a little bit more quiet and meditative and I think they're just finding their feet with the audience Mm -hmm. that I felt like not disconnected but I felt like the show kind of built and mm-hmm. so I out with a lovely energy 
and I wasn't like in no way disappointed, but it was just kind of like, you know, slow build. And then I think around halfway through the show, it was just all of a sudden, like everything just felt like it like flipped over and they just super connected into the audience and it wasn't that they were like having like these big long um like storytelling rambling exchanges or anything like that i'm just using like examples of shows i've seen not because they're all like yeah. related like epic high did a lot of talking at the audience which was mm. fun and pablo is like a talker he's a rapper he's like blah 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 blah, blah. he's like telling stories <laughs> the members whereas like i didn't feel like that was the energy they were giving but it was just like all of a sudden like that emotional connection like that whatever they were putting out hit with the audience and like that wave just powered out and right just... back at them mm-hmm. and so that energy exchange really hit in but like yeah about halfway through the show through the rest of it that same thing happened in dallas i think they started to we fed off of them and then they started to feed off of us and the energy really picked up not that their performance was lackluster in the slightest it's just like you said that the exchange with the audience was a little more serious and then built up and got a little more freewheeling, I think, as the show went on. I mean, and some of it is how their musicality is and some of their songs are mm. and like what they have to pull from. Yeah. It would be like how they wanted to take that journey. Like, and I think about mm-hmm. like how when BTS, because I've only seen Permission to Dance now twice, like in yeah. Los Angeles and Vegas, they came out with that stated intention that they had that they were going to come on and do On First, which is like yeah. a big high energy anthem song. And then they go like right into fire. Mm. And so like, you know, you get hit with that right out of the gate of this. Bam. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. And like We're flames like, shooting up. And yeah. Where <laughs> this feels like, you yeah, know, massive, like amounts of backup dancers and stuff. Yes. Yeah. And so like, if you're army, you don't know the rose so well, I feel like this almost would start with like blue and gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was that level. Right that that vibe mm-hmm. where it's lovely but like the energy is just at a different place and then it builds very subtle yeah and they were and they were singing about heavy subject matter too and I, I was also thinking too the show that I went to in Dallas was just a few days after the Halloween disaster in Itawan where people got crushed and yeah. uh, that had to be heavy because I had I talked to people in line who were either Korean American or uh, had friends in Korea through their K-pop friend networks. And they said that ev- they were hearing from people that just everybody knew somebody who was affected by that. Either they knew uh, somebody whose family it was or a friend of a friend or somebody that worked in the same office. I just wouldn't be surprised if they were affected or if people close to them were very affected by it. And it must've been a very heavy time. Yeah. And I think it would be hard and I mean, I'm like very much extrapolating, but mm-hmm. it has to feel slightly stressful to perform in a crowded venue mm-hmm. after something like that too, especially when yes. people have like such a desire to be close mm-hmm. that yes. I think, yeah, I don't know. That has to like cross folks mind. So June stopped our show and had the house lights brought up about two thirds of the way through the show, maybe because okay. it was getting too packed at the front and people were starting to get sick um, from dehydration, especially because we had started the show so late. Uh-huh. I think uh, like even I didn't drink a lot of water right before the show because I knew once I got up there, I wasn't going to want to have to go to the bathroom, let's be frank. And that was true for a lot of people. And so he actually stopped the show and said to the security please bring water out and they started passing cups of water back they just the the security guards just kept coming up to the barricade 
uh, between the stage and the barricade and just kept passing cups of water back, 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 back. So that went on for a while. And even after they restarted the show for a long time throughout the show, they kept bringing water and passing it back through the crowd. So I thought that was such care for the audience and such um, mindfulness of what had just happened and what, what could happen and just showed what performers they are and how dedicated they are to their performance and their craft and their professionalism. It wasn't worth not stopping the show to make sure that everybody was okay. So that, that wasn't really impressed by that. Hi again, everybody. We decided to break this episode into two parts because it was just a little on the long side. So in part two, we will discuss more about the concert experience, uh, about the VIP experience at the Dallas show, what that was like, um, more about the meaning of some of the songs and what the Rose has told us about the meaning uh, through a special documentary series that they've been doing about their album. Uh, a little bit about the just the fandom experience in general and how it's you know, what, what are some things that are similar and different uh, about it compared to the ARMY and BTS experience as a fan? Uh, and also just kind of like a bigger question about why do we stand groups, K-pop groups? What do we get out of it? What is special about it? And so we hope you'll enjoy the rest of the discussion. So please tune in for part two. Can't get enough of BTS? Cool. Neither can we. So between shows, why don't you hop on over to at Afternoon Army on Instagram and join the conversation. Want to support us as a newer podcast hitting the scene? Great. Share the love by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And last, but certainly not least, don't forget to check out the other pod in our network, Afternoon Delight, K-Drama Deep Dives from three romance authors with new episodes dropping every Wednesday.